Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Do you recognize the grace of God in your life? Are you using the gifts and talents that he has given you to help the body of Christ? Let's open now to Romans chapter 12 and see what the Lord has for us in these amazing verses. Good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. Last time we did uh, Romans 12 and we did verses 1 and 2. Today we're going to, to start in verse 3 and we're going to see how far we get. Those first two verses, as we said last time in Romans 12, are, uh, are just so, so full. They're just, uh, there's just so much content in them. And now we're going to see here in verse, starting in verse three, Paul is going to, is going to give us some practical advice. And then, um, depending on the version you have from verses nine to 21, there's something around 22 qualities or actions that he, he gives us to apply to our lives, to walk out. And again, just this chapter in Romans 12 is, is overwhelming as is the entire book, as is the whole Bible, of course. So we're just going to, we'll just go ahead and read from verses three through eight for now, and then we'll see how far we get. Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for the living word of God. And Father, above all, we thank you for the son of God, for Jesus Christ, our Lord, who gave his life on our behalf and in our place. And Lord Jesus, we just celebrate you and thank you that you have been raised from the dead. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So we'll start reading in verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Verse 3. After again getting through in the last teaching we did verses 1 and 2, Paul exhorts us. The first thing he exhorts us to do, he says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. Notice how in verse 3 he says, for by the grace given me, he says these things. Paul understands that the revelation that he has, the understanding that he has, is given by God's grace. It's, it's something we ought to see that we've been given that, that we haven't earned. Um, from verses 1 to 8, is, is the word grace and the word mercy shows up 
several times each. Uh, grace is when we receive blessings from God that we, we do not deserve. Mercy is when we do not receive punishment from God that we do deserve. And so those are just two remarkable, wonderful, incredible, um, you know, just blessings from the Lord as he's extended grace and mercy to us. Paul says, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, um, when we do something well in the body of Christ, when, when we have a particular skill and wherever we may use it, we may use it in our work. Um, if the Lord has given you a quick mind, um, you know, whatever blessings the Lord has given you, it's, it's, it's really by his grace. Paul said, for by the grace given me, if you have revelation, if you have understanding, if, if you know Jesus Christ today, Ephesians 2.8 says, for it is by grace you've been saved. It's by God's grace that you understand these things. Thank you, Lord. What's interesting is that Paul says, for by the grace given me, meaning God has given me revelation and that revelation came by his grace. He didn't earn it. He says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. If there's a, if there's a bigger problem in the church today, I don't know what it is. Uh, starting with myself, um, we do generally as Christians think of ourselves more highly as we ought. Now, you shouldn't think of yourself more lowly than you ought either. That's equally as bad. Paul says, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Father, I do ask you to forgive us where we, where we think of ourselves more highly than we ought or more lowly than we ought. Father, I ask you to help us to, to think of ourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith you have given us, Father. In what areas of our lives do we, do we think of ourselves more highly than we ought? What areas are you not thinking of yourself with sober judgment? Um, so we shouldn't walk around thinking we're all that great. We are, we are objects of God's mercy, as we learned in, in verse 1. We have not been given the punishment we deserve. So whatever ways that, that we think of ourselves more highly than we ought, we, we, we want to repent and, um, and, and just think of ourselves, he says here, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. And that just means you, you want to, to see yourself as you really are. And for many of us, that's hard. Sometimes it's hard to just to, to see ourselves or consider ourselves with, with sober judgment. So again, you don't want to think too highly of yourself. You don't want to think too lowly of yourself. You just want to think properly of yourself. It says in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. If you're walking in a, in a very high degree of faith today, if you're someone that's, that's really, you know, just very active in your faith, you're encouraged in your faith, if you have a tremendous measure of faith, then, then you want, in humility, you want to say, man, the Lord has just blessed me. I'm in a blessed season. Um, I'm just walking really strong in my faith right now. Things are well. But if, if right now things are struggling, then, uh, then, then you want to say no. I mean, we just, we want to call what it is, what it is, so to speak, right? In every aspect of our lives, we ought not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. 
And what again, if there are things we're doing well, if there are things we do do well, if we've been gifted by the Lord to do things well, we don't deny that, but we simply we acknowledge, okay, this is something I, I do pretty well, whatever it is. If you're a good accountant, right? If, um, if you're good in financial management, if you're a good teacher, um, if, if you're a good evangelist, and, and someone says to you, hey, or, you know, how do you do evangelism? You don't, you don't walk in false humility and say, oh, I don't do anything. Um, you want to say, no, I, my evangelism has been pretty good by the grace of God. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to grow in it. And, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Um, at the same time, if, you know, if as a Christian, you don't practice sharing your faith at all, then sober judgment would say, you know what, I really haven't done my part uh, in the area of evangelism. And that's something I, I need to repent and work on. Um, let us be men and women, Christian men and women, who consistently think of ourselves with with sober judgment, the word judgment is a uh, is an important word. In uh, in First Corinthians two, Paul says the spiritual man or the mature man of God or woman of God makes judgments about all things, and what that means is in every aspect of their life they're making a judgment. They're calling right right and wrong wrong based on the word of God and the heart of God. In every situation. The spiritual man or woman is making judgments about all things. I believe it's 1 Corinthians 2.15. And so again, in every aspect of their lives, they're looking to make a judgment as to what's right and what's wrong in every situation based on the word of God and the heart of God. Now, there's, there's a tremendous difference between making a judgment, which is simply calling right, right, and wrong, wrong, and being judgmental. Being judgmental is obviously when we're very critical, when, we, when we're condescending, when we look down on people. Um, that's something we should never do. And when we do and when we see it in ourselves, we ought to be quick to repent. So you want to you wanna view yourself and others with sober judgment. The things you do well, you're thankful to the Lord and you want to continue in them, right? Paul says, for the by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. Look at how important this statement is to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. And, and obviously he says this because that is something that, uh, that we often struggle with. We, we want to be men and women of sober judgment in everything. We don't want um, drunk judgment. We don't want intoxicated judgment. Judgments that we make um, if we've had too much to drink are normally not very good. Uh, that's why the Bible says we shouldn't drink too much, because then you don't have sober judgment. Um, you have intoxicated judgment. You have drunk judgment, which inevitably uh, leads to uh, to bad thinking and bad acting. Right. Um, so on that note, I mean, the Bible does not say that we cannot have any alcohol. It simply says we should not have it in excess because then it impedes our judgment. And then we don't have sober judgment. So we're to think of ourselves with sober judgment, right? Sober means we're clear-minded. We're not being led astray by alcohol or anything else. Um, and we see things as they are. Now, in order to do this, we really do have to begin to practice some sort of self-examination in our lives. 
meaning we want to look inside ourselves and practice this thing called introspection and just, you know, really, really trying to understand our mental and emotional process, why we think what we think, why we do what we do, um, so that, that we can just uh, view ourselves, uh, you know, in the truth. There's a term called, I guess, self-aware, um, that you're just aware of who you are and who you're not, um, and you try to act accordingly. Uh, you know, sometimes I, tr I struggle with being self-aware. Um, you know, sometimes I can be extremely imposing and unaware of maybe how loud I'm being. Um, and so, you know, we want to have sober judgment in every aspect of our lives, spiritual, physical, emotional, financial, and relational. In every aspect of our lives, we want to have true sober judgment. And we want to think of ourselves in this way. And again, he says, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you, whatever measure of faith the Lord has given you is, is where we are today. Now, we want to grow in our faith. We want our faith to continue to grow. We want our relationship to continue to grow. But in everything, we want to have sober judgment. We want to, we want to know where we are in our walk. And of course, we always want to be growing. Now, he goes on in verse 4 to say, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have, do not all have the same function. Verse 5, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. It's kind of a profound uh, revelation here in verses 4 and 5. For those people who listen to this and are, and are just consistently looking for new insights, you know, and, and, and knowledge, here we see that, that all Christians... All those who are saved, all those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ are one body. We are all one body, Joe. Okay? Um, we all make up one body. We are a spiritual body. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, Jesus comes by the Holy Spirit and joins himself to your spirit you become one in spirit with Jesus. You're married to Jesus and you're part of his body. And that body is called the body of Christ. All true Christians, all those who are truly saved, who truly have Jesus living in them, are part of this body called the body of Christ. Verse 4, just as each of us has one body, everyone here listening to this has one physical body. And he says, with many members... So we have a physical body, but we have hands and toes and feet and eyes and arms and legs. He says, and these members do not all have the same function, right? The eyes do something different from the ears. The feet do something different than the hands, etc. Which is pretty amazing in itself, by the way, how, how, uh, how the Lord made our physical bodies when he created uh, uh, mankind. They all don't have the same function. He gave us uh, different members in our body for different things, different purposes. And now Paul says in verse 5, so in Christ, so in Christ, if you're in Christ and you have Jesus living in you, Joe, we who are many form one body. So all of us as Christians are part of this body of Christ and each member belongs to all the others. So we are a family. We are a Christian family. Again, if you're saved and you belong to Jesus Christ, every Christian in the world who has ever lived is part of your family. And, and we want everyone to come into the, 
the family of God. We want everyone to be saved. All of our friends, all of our family, all of our loved ones. We want everyone to come into this family as does the Lord. First Timothy uh, 2, 4 says it's God's will that everyone be saved. And second Timothy 3 says it's not his will that anyone perish. And, and unfortunately, if you have not received Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that that you'll spend eternity separated from God in hell. And so that's why we we consistently in, in our ministry are encouraging everyone to receive Jesus, to simply bow the knee to Jesus and say, Jesus, I believed you came into this world and lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And I believe that you are alive and risen. Therefore, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin and bring me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I put all my faith and trust in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Um, that's how you become a Christian is by calling on the name of the Lord and putting your full faith and trust in him, in Jesus. And again, when you do this, you, you, you become part of the family. And as a Christian family, we ought to care for one another and love for one another and encourage one another and build each other up. And now here in uh, verses 6, 7, and 8, Paul is going to tell us how to do that. Um, and, and I'll say again, I'm, I'm 50 years old, and, and this is something in the, in the body of Christ that, that we need to work at. Okay, As a church, we need to, to help people to see their God-given gifts and exhort them to putting them into action. And as leaders in the body of Christ, we need to, uh, you know, we need to labor to see the gifts that are in God's people. And we, again, need to exhort them and give them an opportunity to put them in, in action. And now I'll say, I'll say to all of us as Christians, don't, don't wait on your leaders to use you. Don't wait on your church pastor to use you. Um, everyone in our ministry, don't wait on me. Okay. You don't need any of us. All you need is Jesus. And if you have Jesus, he's your Lord. He's your God. He has gifted you. And you just go out into the world and start using those gifts. You don't need anybody's permission. You have the permission of the Son of God and the Word of God. And that's all you need. Okay. Verse six, we have different gifts, just like we have different members in our physical body. Paul says we have different gifts. Here it is again according to the grace given us. Okay, so there's that phrase again, that whatever you're good at in life, it's by the grace of God. It's not just because you and I are amazing people. We're just incredible. No, anything we do well, it's by the grace of God. Um, yes, uh, we, do have to, uh, we do have to work at it to get better at it. And so there is this cooperation right? So no, it's not just, you're not just going to get better because God has gifted you, but with the grace God has given you, you want to continue to use it. And as you use it, you will get better. So we see this incredible cooperation between us and our heavenly father in growing in using the gifts he's given us. Um, and it does take effort on our part. We do need to use them. And again, as we use them, we'll get better at it. But if not for God's grace, we wouldn't even have the gift. So we always want to be mindful of the grace of God and the mercy of God, the grace of our Father and the mercy of our Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Again, verse 6, we have different gifts 
according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Verse 7, if it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. Verse 8, if it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. It's interesting that he says that mercy is a gift. Now, mercy is something all of us need to practice. But here, there's a gift called mercy. Some people are just naturally gifted to be merciful. You, you just notice some people that when things are done wrong to them, they don't they just don't make that big a deal about it. They're just okay with it. They can be mistreated. They can be done wrong. And just mercy seems to flow out of them. And that's a good thing because we are entirely objects of God's mercy. Remember, the definition of mercy is when you do not get punishment from the Lord that you do deserve. Now, because we've been shown so much mercy, we need to be people that show mercy everywhere. And... Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, in, in, uh, in the section of the Beatitudes, or the attitudes we should have in Jesus Christ, one of them is, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So, the Lord has shown you incredible mercy. So, are you consistently showing mercy to others, Jordan? Are you, Matthew? Are you guys consistently showing mercy to others, Jesse? Tom, do you show mercy consistently, remembering the tremendous mercy that's been shown you, Armando? Are we men and women who consistently show mercy? Now, whether you have the gift or not, you and I need to be doing this, but there are some people that are just so cheerful in showing mercy, consistently being a blessing, right? Some folks will walk, you know, will be driving on the side of the road and they'll see someone begging with a sign and automatically they move into being judgmental, right? Look at that person, he needs to go get a job, and he's, you know, he's drinking, whatever, right? And that's wrong, okay? Um, all that may be true, but, uh, you know, uh, we ought to be blessed that that's not us on the street with the sign, right? Someone else will go by, and that thought doesn't even enter their mind, right? They just naturally want to show mercy. They roll down the window. They give the guy a few dollars. They encourage him. Maybe tell him something about Jesus. They just, they just show mercy, right? Un yes, very, very probably the person is in that situation of their own doing, right? Generally, when, when we find ourselves in, in a terrible spot, we've often generally been a very large contributor to that. Now, again, sometimes there's, there are just situations where people are in very bad places and they, they've just had a very rough time about it. Either way, we want to be people who are showing mercy. Some, again, have a gift of mercy. And those people we ought to emulate. People who just consistently show mercy and are not just looking to be judgmental to people, not looking always to, to just, just beat them down over everything they've done wrong. Now, again, this is important. Showing mercy is not the absence of accountability, okay? We still need to be accountable for our actions. Um, there are still consequences to things. But let's always remember that we are objects of mercy. And here we have someone with a gift of mercy, okay? Um, 
it says of a man's gift is prophesying. Prophesying here is just is, is is someone who's able to encourage others based on the word of God and the heart of God. And we want to do it just again in true proportion to our faith. Just as we know the truth in Jesus Christ, we want to to, to just use that gift to, to build up others. Okay. There are other people who may have a gift of prophesying of of exhorting you to the things the Lord may do uh, in the future in your life. Okay. Prophesying can be telling you what's going to happen in the future. Now, this is, this is a very, this is a much different gift. Okay. Um, all of us should walk in pro uh, a gift of prophesying, meaning again, encouraging and building each other up based on the word of God and the son of God, Jesus. There may be people who have a gift of prophesying and again of, of the Lord has shown them what's going to happen in the future of your life. And, and that has to be managed carefully. You may have been in, in, uh, to some places or some churches where, where, uh, someone comes with a gift of prophesying and they've given you an encouraging word of what, of what the Lord is going to do in your life. Either way, we want to use it in proportion to our faith. We want it to be genuine. We don't want to get out of bounds with it, right? Uh, sometimes when we get to doing these things, we can start to, uh, you know, we can start to go beyond what's written, right? Paul, Paul says in First Corinthians, you need to learn the meaning of what it means to not go beyond what's written in the Word of God, right? So you, let it be in proportion to your faith, right? Uh, when you're encouraging someone in the word of God. Don't go beyond what the scriptures say. If you are, if you do have a gift of prophesying and in telling people what's coming in their lives and what the Lord's doing, uh, don't go beyond what you know, you know, the Lord is sharing with you just in proportion to your faith. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse seven, if it is serving, let him serve. If by God's grace, you know, there are people who have just gifts of serving. There are people that have this in our ministry. And if, if there's a need, I mean, they just, they just want to come right over and help. They're looking to help consistently. Um, Jose does a good job of this. Steven does a good job of this. Um, there's this, uh, there's just this heart to serve and, and to be a blessing. And if you have that gift of serving, use it and don't just use it to the pastor. Don't just use it to church leaders. Uh, use it to people that are uh, that 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 don't have any status as well. That's the particular serving that pleases the Lord the most. If it is teaching, let him teach. If you have the gift of teaching, teaching the word of God, then you know what you go out and teach. And again, hopefully an opportunity opens up for you to teach Bible study and you're part of a church and a life group and you can grow in those things. But don't wait on that. Anyone you know, just start teaching them, right? If you if you have the gift of teaching and a heart to teach, even if you don't, you ought to be doing these things, right? We need to be teaching our families. We need to be teaching our children, Tom. Um, we, we need to be teaching those in our circle and our families the things we know about Jesus, the Son of God, and the Word of God. And again, if you're in leadership, we want to recognize these gifts um, in people, and we want to put them in places of opportunity so that they can teach. Verse 8, if it is encouraging, let him encourage. There are, just, there are people in the body of Christ that are just, that are just always encouraging lens. 
just always encouraging. This lady in Singapore, man, just always encouraging. Omela, always encouraging. And then there are people like my big sister Gwenda and little big sister, who's, uh, I think her gift is rebuking. But um, um, there are people with just tremendous gifts of encouragement. And yes, Gwenda's encouraging as well, and I appreciate her very much. Um, but um, again, um, uh, you know, just there are, there are just people in our lives. It seems to me like it's more ladies. I don't know. Guys, you guys start to need to be more encouraging. I need to be more encouraging. Um, encouraging is a good thing. There are just people in your life, when you think of it, they're just so consistently encouraging, Scott. You need to be a little more encouraging. All of us need to be a little bit more encouraging, right? And building people up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously, right? There's nothing like a generous man or woman. Just someone who's just just always willing to pay, willing to be a blessing, right? If the Lord has blessed you with finances and you have a gift of finances, then you ought to have a gift of, of contributing to the needs of others. It's, it's, it's an interesting way to put it because this represents someone, again, who has resources, but is also aware of the needs of others and looks to make, to contribute to that, looks to help people who are not as well off as they are. And that really ought, ought to be all of us. Again, there are people who have a specific God-given gift by the grace of Jesus. They just do this exceptionally well. And when we see those people, we ought to emulate it. But all of us ought to be contributing to the needs of others. And Paul said, let him do it generously. You know, everything we have belongs to Jesus. All of our money belongs to Jesus. All of our time belongs to Jesus. Everything we are belongs to Jesus. And everything we have, we don't own anything. Everything belongs to Jesus. So all the money you have belongs to Jesus. So get, give generously. Be a blessing. Yes, give to your church. Give to ministries. Give to, um, you know, missions. Give to all these things. But in your daily life, Right, Melanie, we talk about this all the time. We're, how's your generosity going, right? Let us be generous people. It, wherever you look up, there'll be opportunities to be generous. And uh, the vast majority of people listening to this um, have far more resources and are able to consistently contribute. So let's be people who contribute to the needs. When we find a need, what a blessing that we get the opportunity to, uh, to participate in that. And let's do it generously. Uh, Paul finishes up in verse 8, if it is leadership, let him govern diligently. There are, there are people in our lives and in our churches. And as leaders, we need to raise up leaders. You should always be looking, as a leader in the body of Christ, you ought always be looking to raise up leaders. Okay, And I'll say again, if you're a Christian and you're a disciple of Jesus and no one's recognized you, just, just take the bull by the horns, okay? Just go ahead and keep being a leader, okay? Be a servant leader. Do all these things, and that's what a leader does. A leader is the first one to say, I'm sorry. A leader is the first one to repent. A leader does, does the hard things, okay? Um, you know, he says, let him govern diligently, right? Be a diligent leader. If you have a gift of leadership and you are in a position of leadership, whether it be in your job or in the church, in your family, you ought to be a diligent leader. 
okay? And again, we're all called to be leaders, but there, there are people with a gift of leadership. Someone with a gift of leadership is not leading in an overly demanding way, and controlling way. There's someone that's willing to work themselves and do the work themselves, and they're, they're doing the work on the ground, as well as encouraging others to do it, right? Um, as a leader in my, uh, of our ministry, um, hopefully I am studying the word of God. Hopefully I am doing my part in evangelism and my part in giving and, and all these other things. Um, but we want to be diligent in it. And again, a gift of leadership can certainly be seen because there's a joy in doing it, uh, not an oppression. And so uh, thank you, Lord. And then again, it fill, uh, finishes. If it is showing mercy, as we talked about, you know, just let him do it cheerfully. Let us just be a cheerfully merciful people and uh and let's you know let's just be excited when we see merciful people that are gifted to do it and uh and let's be more like them thank you lord well i guess uh i guess this will be part two of three he's going to go on as i said to give like 22 qualities um but since we're running here at about 33 minutes We'll go ahead and pray and close, and then we'll, uh, Lord willing, we can, we can look at these incredible qualities from verses 9 to 21, where he's going to uh, just give us specific qualities, virtues, actions he wants us to live out in our lives, and they are, uh, they're incredible. I would encourage you to go and look at uh, Romans 12, verses 9 to 21, and just look and examine yourself in light of each of those qualities, and... Uh, Man, I look forward to that podcast. So, Father, we just thank you and praise you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for your favor and your grace. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for your mercy and your grace that you've extended us. Father, we just, um, we just thank you for the word of God, Lord. We, uh, we ask you to help us, Father, today to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought Father, I thank you for my beautiful wife, May, who is uh, consistently reminding me of these things as I certainly need them. Father, I ask you to help us to, uh, to think of ourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith you have given us. Father, we thank you that we are all one big family in the body of Christ. And I ask you to help each of us to do our part in adding to that family and, and bringing other people into that family. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we love you, we bless you, and thank you. And again, above all, we just thank you for Jesus, our Lord, our Master, our King, our God, our Savior, and our friend. We love you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.